The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, goals so big, they scare you. Many of us have, of course, you know, dreams and desires and goals that we're honestly uncomfortable with. We may have a hard time admitting we even want them. We may be ashamed to share with others, or we may desire to have big goals, but we really can't tap into what we really want or care about to that big of a degree. Well, this show is about those issues. And I kick us off with a clip from Zig Ziglar, about uh, two minutes about realistic expectations and the need to have big goals, which will seem at odds to a lot of people. Uh, that's why I encourage you to listen to this upcoming clip in just a moment. And hear what Zig has to say. Well, from this, I posted a question to the Ziggler Show audience. I asked, who has a big goal? Maybe bigger than you honestly feel capable of. Maybe big enough you're not even comfortable sharing it publicly. Well, we got a lot of great responses. A lot of people even private messaged me because they wanted to remain anonymous because they weren't comfortable sharing it with others. So Tom Ziggler and I, we actually only got through half of them and they're so good, we're going to continue in show 812, kind of a part two. Uh, it, it's so inspiring and informative to not only hear people admit their goals, but to admit their quandary and how to go about achieving these goals. Uh, it's a powerful show to say the least. So I'm going to queue up a two minute message from Zig Ziglar, then Tom Ziglar and I will start addressing your comments right after I share what else we have for you and some great products and services. Psychology Today says that a 20-year-old American today has 10 times as good a chance of being depressed as did his 40-year-old father, and 20 times as good a chance of being depressed as did his 60-year-old grandfather. Now, why is that? Unrealistic expectations is what I'm talking about. Now, we need to have a reason for believing we can do certain things. Now. One of the things that uh, we really want to uh, emphasize here is that we need to make some basic understandings about our goals themselves. For example, some goals must be big. They gotta be big. It's the big goal that creates that excitement. I love the story of old gentleman Jim Corbett. The heavyweight champion of the world was out doing his road work one morning. He saw a fisherman having a field day. He'd pull in little ones, he'd pull in big ones. Fast as he could cast, he'd pull in a fish. But Corbett noticed that he was throwing back the big fish and he was keeping the little ones. He'd never seen that done before. He ran over to the fisherman and said, man, I love to fish myself. You're doing something I've never seen done before. You're throwing the big ones back and keeping those little ones. Why on earth are you doing it? The fisherman sadly shook his head and said, man, he said, you don't know how badly I hate to do this, but I just flat don't have a choice. You see, all I've got is just this little old bitty frying pan. <laughs> now, before we laugh too loud, let me emphasize the point. He's talking about you and he's talking about me. So many times we get the big dream, the big goal, the big idea. No sooner do we get it, then we say, oh no, Lord, don't give me such a big one. All I've got is just this little old bitty frying pan. Uh, give me a small one. Oh no, besides, you know that's not a good idea. If it's any good, somebody else would have thought about it a long time ago. Isn't it tragic that we have no more confidence in ourselves 
Again, that's the purpose of this series, build a confidence. Then when those big ideas hit you, you start working on how do you engineer them in such a way that you can get it done. You got to have some big goals. Well, so my question, you know, who has a big goal, maybe even bigger than your, you feel capable of that it's hard to even share. We got some really big goals shared. So some of these, Tom, I want to read through, and I think it's just going to be neat for people to hear other people's big goals. Uh, some of them, as we get to them, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to want to respond to. Uh, so we'll, we'll have some, uh, and some people just literally asking for guidance. How do I do this? How can I make this happen? Uh, so we'll try to do them. We'll try to do them justice. You ready? Tom? I'm ready. All right, man. Here is uh, someone. And I did. So there are some people who wanted to remain anonymous. So I have. So if I don't say the person's name, that's why uh, this person says, I want a big ranch with programming similar to the flying W dinner and shows, children's camps, horses boarded trails, uh, rentals, village like a, an Alps village for living in retirement, a small shopping and commerce area, winter, easy ski area, hiking trails into the forest and BLM areas. That's a that's a BHAG right there, man. That's a big, hairy goal. And I know, you know, as some of these people talk about that, they think, I, I would, my heart wants to do that, but I have no idea how to do that. I have no concept of where to start. It's going to take millions of dollars. How could I ever do that? And Tom, you've lived your life amongst people who have big dreams and desires and heartfelt things with no earthly idea where to start and how to walk it out. All right. Yes. And I love big goals like that because they get us motivated. They give us passion. They get us up in the morning. Uh, they allow us to dream. And, you know, one of the first questions that I ask is, uh, who do I need to become in order to achieve that goal? Mm. Like, you know, personally, how do I need to develop myself? What skills and knowledge do I need to acquire? Who do I need to know? What kind of education do I need to go and get? Uh, what kind of disciplines and habits do I need to create in my life? And all that can sound real daunting, but if you have that, you know, that flying W, big, beautiful ranch with full-on programming, changing the lives of the people who come and visit a place where you can sit around. Now, Kevin, you and I can relate to this. <laughs> Sitting around a campfire in the evening, just talking with your family and those you love, you know, those who are in, you're, you're going deep. And that'll, that'll get your juices flowing. And so one of the greatest ways to achieve a big goal is to create a detailed plan of action and maybe you break it into quarterly goals or monthly goals. Let's look at it this way. Maybe you've got to be out of debt first before you can hit that big goal. And let's just say you're in $10,000 of debt. So you get a plan together to get out of debt. Maybe that takes three months or a year, whatever that takes, you're making progress towards that goal. So that's a simple answer to that big question. We never downplay the power of a big goal. Instead, we get intentionally focused of how can I get a little bit closer to achieving that goal every day? Well, and, I, and I've heard, you know, through my time, lots of people who have been disappointed. They set a big goal and they didn't get it. And, and it's made them minimize their goals. And, you know, I, I'm one who, like you, Tom, if I don't have some big goal out there, it's really hard for me to get motivated. I need a big goal, but I'll tell you, I learned a little, gosh, modification, I guess, with my wife, because I would set out these big, you know, massive goals and she would set her heart on it. 
And if we didn't reach it, she was disappointed. And of course I'm looking at it and going, Hey, we shot for the stars. We didn't make it, but my gosh, we made it to that mountain over there. It's further than we were. This is awesome. And she didn't see it that way. And so I, I'm a little more tactful with how I share that big goal. So I'm, I want that big shoot for the stars thing, but I'll share something a little, sometimes a little modified, a little less, or even just admit, Hey, as you know, hon, I'm shooting for the stars over here, but at least here, I think this is reasonable. So this is something to look at. And I think there's some personality differences in that. But I just like what you said, Tom, that who do we need to be? Cause we tend to think of what is it that I want? How am I going to do that? What do I need? What are the resources instead of who? Uh, so I've got a great one for you just on that. Julie, she said, I'm going to, I want to start a nonprofit to house homeless veterans. And right under that commented Deshanya. And she says, Hey, Julie, I want to do a similar thing for battered women and children in the area that I, that I stay. So listen to that. I want to, uh, help battered women and, and have a, a shelter, a place for them in the place that I stay. So it sounds like she's currently one of those battered women. Uh, and the one, when I stay in, it gets full a lot. I want land to put many houses on for the ladies to live after they finish a program that I conduct while they stay at the big house. I want a therapist to come and do sessions. I want to become a psychotherapist so I can assist. I want to teach these ladies valuable skills. I want to open up a restaurant or something for the ladies to work at while they stay there. And after they finish their time, help them build confidence about being on their own, but be close enough to have the resources that we offer. I want to have an annual, listen to this. This is so, I mean, talk about a vision. I want to have an annual survivors awards for them where they all get dressed up and beautiful to celebrate them coming in to a new life. Uh, I've been on Pinterest looking up land and huge house, huge houses, floor plans. I dream about this, but I feel it is too big of a dream. How's that? And so to talk about classic, right to what you just said, Tom, for her to look at, this is what I want to do. How do I do it to say, what, do, who do I need to become? And I love that she has this dream while it sounds like she is one of these ladies that she wants to serve. Yeah. Well, you know, who changes the world? People with the dream who've come out of that experience in one way or another, Yeah, right? That's who changes the world. So how do you get started in that? Well, you look at all those things you could do. And maybe you put it in a priority list. You know, it's probably too big to go out and buy 100 acres and, you know, raise money to build 50 little, you know, uh, tiny houses or whatever. There's somebody who came to our devotions at Ziegler headquarters. And, and what they do is they, they fund and build tiny houses. They've got a little uh, Vietnam veterans kind of community for uh, people who, who need some help and, and who've served our country and, so they're kind of creating that space for them. What and she's she's just got a passion for it. And so what you do it is is like uh, it's the same way you eat an elephant. It's mm. it's it's one bite at a time. And I want to I want everybody to notice something very powerful that happened. Posted that on Facebook, and somebody else came along and said, "Hey, I want to do the same thing." Right? I want to do the same thing. And so when you give voice and words to what it is, there are people who are like, hey, I want to do that, too. How can I help? And so I just encourage people not only put the plan in place, but start sharing that vision with other people who might want to be a part of it. Uh, one of my mentors told me, they said, hey, look, you know, you shouldn't try to figure out every idea on your own. Right. Sometimes you get an idea, a dream or a passion, and you're not even the one to do it. Who do you know who is more qualified to, than you to go and get it done? 
Because ultimately, is it about me doing it or is it about me <laughs> wrangling up all the people out there who have a similar vision of, and getting them on the same team so we can all get it done together? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and folks, just everybody who's live right now on Facebook, I'm seeing them come through and some of the comments are coming through quicker than I can even read them. So again, I will try to address those following uh, the, the end of this recording. Well, here's another one. Uh, she, uh, she says, I want a mobile full service salon that allows me to take care of those that cannot leave their home for a number of reasons, which as of this recording, she says, COVID fear, uh, compromised immune system, stay at home parents, the list goes on and on. Uh, so that I may also go to neighborhoods and public city spaces and offer free or discounted services for low income families or those that cannot fit uh, a salon or a luxury service into their budget. Eventually traveling the country in my mobile shop and offering all levels of education and classes from advanced to beginner. I'd like to be involved in passing on my knowledge. Hairdressing is a skill that knows no age, region, or cultural limitations. So if I teach these skills I've learned, I'm also teaching a person how to be able to provide for themselves and others wherever they go in life. I, just again, back to what you, you said a minute, most of the greatest providers that we have, the influencers, guides, whatever, are people who have lived it. They are doing it. I love how she is doing this right now. I mean, that's her profession and she is passionate about it. And I also just want to point out that's the kind of person I want doing my hair. You know, somebody who loves what they do, believes in it, and they see it as a bigger picture. This is how they help people in their life overall, as opposed to somebody who just knows how to cut hair well. You know, one of the things that I would say, there was a comment in there that I love, and that is that uh, when we teach somebody else how to do it, it's that old principle of instead of giving them a fish, we teach them how to fish. And there's a quote that I love. Uh, Mark Batterson said this. He said that an inheritance is what you leave to someone. A legacy is what you leave in someone. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And so when we think about our goals, you know, dad said this about goals. He said, it's not what we achieve. That's the main thing. It's who we become in the process, right? It's what we learn on the journey. And for those who have the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal, right? So big, it's, it's, it's bigger than you. It's clearly going to need God's help, other people's help in that process. One of the things that's amazing with those goals is what happens to the other people who join you in the quest for achieving the goal or right in your own house, your kids, your spouse, what happens to them? How do they grow? Who do they become as they see you? You say, you know, here's the vision. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to go to the next step and all the setbacks that come because they come, but we persevere and we do it anyway. How does that change their lives? So that, that's just a nugget I wanted to pull out of that comment because when we understand that the beneficiary of these big goals is, is more than just us, right? It's more than just the, the tangible, hey, we did that. It is everybody else that it impacts and influences along the way. Tom, I'm a, a, such a, well, I'm a recipient of that. Uh, you know, I got to see my parents go after big things and fail and succeed. I'm so grateful they did it, one. And I'm also grateful that I got to see the, the failings, the setbacks. They didn't shield me 
from those things. And it helped me have faith on a, on a silver platter to some degree. And I have had my kids now, my oldest kid is 25. I've had my, my older kids literally, uh, testify to me that one of the most inspirational things that they have had in their lives is seeing me go after, uh, things in my life, big goals and, and, and big efforts. It, you know, even things that I felt guilty about doing, you know, time away from the family, a big bike race or whatever. And they said, dad, that, that, that inspires us so much. So, uh, I, I thank you for pointing that out, Tom, that what we do, it can give permission to people to do big things. And, you know, uh, I just, just got a comment on Facebook from Olawu and he said, you know, sometimes it's good to fail. And, and so, Kevin, have you ever been after a goal that your family knew about and you fell short? And then that turned into a very powerful uh, conversation, something that was, you know, because they see how you handle the setback. You know, maybe the failure was just a delay or maybe the failure was you gained enough information. No, that's not really what I want. I want to go in this other direction. At 100%, man. Uh, I haven't gone bankrupt. But we've had some pretty harsh times financially as I've had business failings along the years and uh, some things that can feel devastating. And yet we still sit down at the table and go, and so that happened. And how about your day? I'm grateful we got food and we go on. And, and again, I got to see that with my parents, no matter how bad something may be, we still, at the end of the day, we sit down, we have lots to be grateful for. We're not going to go hungry. We're not going to be destitute. And we go on. And my gosh, that was such a benefit to me uh, to see. And I wish everybody could have that because it makes you know the, the failure concept so, so minimal. Uh, well, here's an interesting one, Tom. Uh, Jake Fox, he says, I would love to have a podcast, uh, a, a vlog, a video blog, a book, do interviews and other public events. And I struggle with setting large goals because my message is based upon a Christian message. I don't want to set huge financial goals or make a name for myself because it would be inconsistent with having my life be about the kingdom of God and not myself. My message, which I still haven't announced outside of a few friends, is about HSP Christians, uh, which I had to look up. I didn't know what that was. Highly sensitive uh, people. And a slight emphasis on Christian men and navigating friendships and wading into society, knowing our bent. Uh, okay, so, but just go back to that. Well, I'm just going to lob that one at you because there's few people on stage with as big of an audience and a reach as your father, Zig Ziglar, who is also one of, I think, one of the most successful evangelists for God out there on the planet. So address that because I have heard it before about uh, even in the term of Christian aspiration, how do you be a Christian, but aspire to things and you, Tom, what we both do. We know so many people who are wildly successful, uh, famous people who are Christians. And we've all seen people who've abused that too. We've seen both sides. So I get where Jake's coming from. I think he could use a little counsel. Yeah, you know, uh, of course, at Ziegler, we approach everything from a, a spiritual, biblical context. And Dad came up with this definition of success. Success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. That's success, okay? And so now you have this ministry, this book, this podcast, uh, this 
this thing God's laid on your heart that he, that, you know, that you feel based on your prayer, uh, your, 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 your thinking about it, that you're called to go and do this. So in the doing of this, you're called to maximize all the abilities, all the gifts, all the talents that God's given you. And some of that is going to be natural, right? You could be a natural communicator. You could be uh, natural in sales. You could be natural in technology. I mean, all these, you know, everybody has different attributes. But you're also given wisdom, which says this, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to develop skills that I'm not so good at. Maybe one of those skills is uh, leadership or leading a team. And so you are still called to go and maximize what you have. And so what you discover in that is that you need to bring other uh, key people around you to help you build this. And so now this whole team, this organization is bent on fulfilling the mission that God's laid on your heart and the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. And so what if God chooses in the process to send you certificates of appreciation, which we call money, mm-hmm. right? What if you understand and you learn that if you give it away for free, nobody comes because they don't see value in it. And you figure out a strategy that gets as many people involved as possible including people who pay some money because they can to come to it and maybe some other uh, people who donate to it and it becomes very, very successful financially. Okay, now you've got one more thing to be a steward of besides your gifts and talents. And that is the reward of solving other people's problems because people don't give, people don't come, people don't invest until they ultimately see they're going to get more value out of it than themselves. And so what I like to do is just ask this, is your motive to make money or is your motive to serve God? And if your motive is right, right, if your motive is to serve God, and then you ask yourself the question, how can I do that in a way that honors God? And in return, a financial blessing comes, wow, isn't that fantastic? Because now you can do something very powerful. You can invest back into your own ministry you want, or you can even invest in other ministries. Hey, that right there, Tom, that's a great overview. I'm not going to expound on it. I want Jake to know, though, uh, I he will soon be hearing about that story of uh, from me of my own journey. That's a big reason of a lot of my uh, ups and downs in business specifically, because I wanted people to know I was about their welfare. I was all heart and that I wasn't about money. And so there was decades of sabotaging the money. And now I know I'm out to do good. I I, I know what my heart is. I know what my intent is. Now I want to do well and finances help do that. Uh, I had to learn the hard way with that. I, I have, I have regret for that perspective that I had. I think an errant perspective, uh, and it, uh, well, a big part of my story, you'll be hearing more about it lately. Cause I'm finally coming out with my own platform because I finally made peace with being a personality and doing all that <laughs> stuff that you talked about having a problem with, man, I get you. 
You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode on big goals that scare you. Next, someone shares her desire to open an art gallery, how she wants to serve people, but admits she doesn't know anything about the business side of it. So Tom and I address it and we'll jump right back in after I share some great products and services with you. Well, here's a, here's a good one too. Uh, Soma. I know, I know uh, uh, her. Uh, she is an overcomer. Uh, she's just she's written a book recently, but she says I'd like to open an art gallery. I have a vision of the design that I would like. I want to lease out space to other artists, but I know nothing about this business. Uh, I know someone in the business. And I'm going to go pursue them for guidance. That's why I kept this in there because that is exactly my answer. So many of uh, people experience something. And they, this is awesome. This has impacted my life. I want to offer this to other people. So they're experienced as recipients, not as providers. Now it goes back to what you said, Tom, you know, how do I become the kind of person? Uh, so in this sense, you know, for her, maybe going from being the artist to being the business person. And I have worked with so many people in that journey of being, uh, of learning the business of the area they want to bless people. A lot of them don't care about business. They don't really want to learn about business. And, and a lot of them really don't feel like they don't like business until they learn kind of back to what Jake said, that money it takes money to make stuff happen. It takes business know-how to often make that dream happen. I know no better way than going to ask somebody who knows business one, and even more so if they know that area of business, just like Soma said, she's going to talk to somebody who is in the art business. I personally will put that 10 times higher than going and getting an MBA or some official, uh, formal training, certification, licensure, degree, whatever is go talk to somebody who has done it. It's worth its weight in gold. And you'd be amazed at those people who will readily go have coffee with you and share what they have learned by so much effort, investment, trials, hard knocks, yada, yada. Uh, they're usually happy to impart that. You know, I remember uh, this was, gosh, Alexandra was 17. She was going to be going to college soon. And I had the opportunity to take her on a trip to Europe. I was speaking over there and I'd made friends with a good, uh, a good friend of mine. His name is Paul Barras. Very influential, very successful, uh, does a lot of business and executive coaching uh, with a lot of well-known people in Europe, CEOs and such of the big companies there. And we're having lunch and I have this moment, right? So it's Paul, it's myself and it's my daughter. And I said, Paul, my daughter is 17 and she's figuring out what she wants to do in life. When she figures that out, what it is she wants to go and do, what would you advise her to do? And he looks at me. And so this guy, he hangs out with the top actors, actresses, celebrities in Europe, uh, heads of large, you know, fortune, whatever they call it in, in the EU companies. So he's plugged into the who's who in entertainment, music, business, and so on. And this is what he said. He said, whatever it is you want to do, figure out who the best in the world is that. And then you call them and you write them and you reach out to them. And when they discover that you have the same passion that they do for whatever their art is, I love the art example, right? Yeah. Whatever their art is, when they know that they're talking to a kindred spirit who's passionate about the art, 
they will take you under their wing and they will share with you things that you would never imagine. And it's not, and, and so here's the thing, you've got to have this passion unstoppable that says, I'm going to get there. I'm going to go do it no matter what. And kind of that fearless, bold, courage. So what happens if you don't call them? <laughs> the same thing as if they don't answer the phone, right? But when you call them, when you reach out, when you let them know what you're passionate about, that's when things change. And that's even sometimes they'll say, they'll write you back and they'll be real kind. They'll say, you know what? I know exactly where you're coming from. I was in your shoes. Why don't you talk to so-and-so first? Guess what you've just done? You've gotten a little bit closer to where you want to go. But if you don't take action on that, when you don't reach out to others who've already been there, then you're stuck and, you, and it takes longer than it needs to. Howard Partridge uh, says this, this, Howard's our exclusive small business coach. Uh, and he says, hey, you know what? Here's a shortcut. Find out somebody who's already done it and copy them. Yep. That's a shortcut. Yep. Yes. Uh, it's, it's uh, again, amazing. There's so many people and they think that person who's made it or whatever, probably everybody's asking for their time. They don't have any time for me. And I'm just all, I'm so amazed at how that happens. And the person, they'll say, I haven't had anybody ask me for counsel on what I do in eons. It's so, it's so rare. Uh, you'd be amazed what happens if you just ask. Uh, Kent says, I'm not saying this to be that guy, but I have never had a real goal. By that, I mean something that gives me the chills to think about. That's the honest truth. I wouldn't even know where to begin for one. Uh, and he says, I'll look forward to hearing this episode. So we got to give him something good, Tom. Uh, you know, in episode, this is, let's see, this is show 810. In, in show 807 of The Ziggler Show, I had Sam Collier on, and he talked about passions, you know, purpose in life, Tom, and, and passions, you know, going after your passions. But he said the way that he thinks about it is what breaks your heart. Uh, and, and that's what always motivated me. And I can, I can relate to that, but man, I just, I just want to throw out there, Tom, I mean, the culture that we're in right now, I think people want less, they're satisfied with less, there's less vision and there's less exposure to humanity in a way that would really give them a passion or a heart that breaks for someone, even people when we know that there's people doing, you know, less sports, less adventures, less experiences statistically overall. And I think we've had a rise in that during the current pandemic where everybody's at home, uh, they're, they're getting bored and going out and do something. But culturally over time, people exposed to less out there doing less. I think we see less big goals, uh, out there. And yet, man, the one people like us who have had those, Sometimes I feel just grateful for that. God, I'm just, I'm just so grateful that you've given, you opened my eyes to want something. I am grateful for that because to not have that is boredom. It's depression, I think. It's despair. It's apathy to not have something out there. So I've, I've talked with people, and I'm sure you have too, Tom, face-to-face. -to -face. Man, I know there's more to life, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for me. I don't know what I want. I don't have anything that I'm really hungry for. And trying to figure out what causes hunger in someone, uh, whoever comes up with that pill will have more money than Zuckerberg. 
Yeah, you know, just pass over the easy ones. Uh-huh. I got you. Yeah, I know. I don't have an answer for that one. I mean, I, that that's kind of part of the thing. How do you create that uh, a, a drive other than getting out there and exposing yourself to more? I don't know how to do it otherwise. Well, here's a series of statements. Um, what John Maxwell said, when you have hope in the future, yeah. you, you have power in the present. And your past is important because it brought you to where you are today. Okay, so now some zig quotes. The way you see your future determines your thinking today. Let me say that again. The way you see your future determines your thinking today. Your thinking today determines your performance today. And your performance today will largely determine your future. So let's break that down. The way you see your future determines your thinking today. So what's the message we're getting? I mean, from the politicians and the news media and the antisocial networks on the computer and, you know, all the conversations, does the future look bright or is it doom and gloom? Mm -hmm. So what's happening to our thinking? Okay. And so on an individual level, this is what happens as we grow up and we try things, you know, what happens? We get told, no, oh, you can't do that. You don't have the education. You don't have the money. You don't have the background. You don't have the experience. Nobody in our family's ever owned a business. Hey, you can't, you know, you just need to find a job that pays the bills and hopefully you do a little bit better every year. And if you find somebody to do life with and you're lucky and they treat you right, you treat them like everything will work out, you know, but don't expect too much. So we buy this lie that we have no control over our future and everybody from the outside saying our future isn't very bright anyway. So what does that do? It changes our thinking. Mm -hmm. And our thinking is, you know what, why bother? Hey, why go in the extra? Why dream? Why hope for the ranch? Why hope for an art studio or an abused and battered women's uh, camp where everybody can, can heal and learn skills and go out and teach others just like them to go to that next. Why bother all of that, right? Because it doesn't matter. And so if our thinking is that way, what is our performance? We coast, we settle, we do the minimum. And this is only natural, right? Because our thinking determines our beliefs and our beliefs, our behavior, our behavior, our results, right? The actions that we take. But you know what, you have a choice. You can step out and you can say, wait a second, I have a choice. What future do I want for myself? And you turn off the noise. You let go of the negative inputs. And you say, you know what? A year from now, if I could be doing anything, what would it be? Who would I be doing it with? Where would we be doing it? What would I, what would I be wearing? What car would I be in? You know, you could just, if, if there was no, if money and time and all those things were no object, what would it be? And you start dreaming that. And then you start thinking, okay, well, what do, does anybody have that right now? <laughs> Just look outside. There's a lot of people who have some of that stuff, right? So how did they get it? What did they do? Who did they become to make that happen? For most of them, 
it was just a relentless, steady, step-by-step, good choice one after another. But here's the thing, how we see our future determines our thinking today. And so for anybody who's like never had the dream, never had the passion, never thought outside of the box, the first step is, is you've got to imagine the future that you want. If you could have anything, if you, if, if, you know, you rubbed Aladdin's lamp and you got three wishes, <laughs> what would it be? What would that future look like? Why? Because that'll change your thinking. When we start thinking about what we want, what the future could be, it starts changing our thinking today. And then that changes our performance today. So we envision it, we imagine it, we create it. And then we say, how do I get there? And it starts with who we are. It starts with our relationship with the creator. And then we've got to take action on that. But when our thinking is right about our future, then our thinking impacts our performance today. And our performance is what gets the results. Tom, you've got me thinking about your dad's old story and I'm trying to find the guy's name. I've talked about him before. Oh, it was, it was, uh, Albert, the, the guy who, uh, was a dunce, right? He was, uh, uh, thought he was told by in school, he was a dunce, uh, that he, and he lived that out for so many years. Finally took a, a what an IQ test and it came out and he had what 143 or something, or was it higher? Some men's, men's level. I think it was like 180 or 165. Was it? it was way up there. So he gets this test. that says, no, actually you're a genius. And from that day forward, he starts living as a genius. His expectations changed. And yeah, just like you're talking about the genie, you know, in, in the bottle kind of thing. I mean, our, our own, if our expectations I think habitually our expectations are low for ourselves. And if somebody who's listening out there, imagine if you got the, you know, the stone tablet from God that fell out of the sky that said, you know what, you are destined to be a multimillionaire to change uh, a, a dramatic amount of people's lives for the better and have huge influence and huge fulfillment. You just have to find it. You got 12 months. I mean, well, I think those, they would rise to that. They, the expectations been set. They just had a prophecy set about them and they would go and find it. And of course, you know, you could make up that great story and they, a year later they found it and they're on their way. Uh, and, and then for somebody to come back and say, dude, it was just a hoax. We were just, we were just kidding you. They went and lived it out though. We live out what we expect. But I think again, our expectations for ourselves have gotten so small. It's a, uh, travesty of our time that expectations are lower and we're much more prone as a culture to sit on the couch and be spectators than to be as uh, who was the who, who's the uh, theater was it Roosevelt to be the, to be the man in the arena to go out there and actually be yeah. the participant the person on the field it's so convicting and yet it's challenging because we often a lot of people are not living amongst others that inspire them and now we're back to Jim Rohn that you're the sum of the five people you hang around most uh, you want to get expire, inspired and inspired, not expired, uh, inspired and get your expectations. <laughs> no expiration dates here. No, no, none at all. Uh, but get uh, your expectations right. Go hang out with people who are doing big things. I think we could, it's almost a thread that we're coming to here is you want to help yourself go after those big goals or in this case, even have big goals. Go hang out with other people who do. It will rewire your noggin. You know, Kevin, before we move on yeah. from that one, uh, so many people have heard of and read the book Mindset by uh, Dr. Dweck. And 
I love that book because it reinforces everything dad's been taught for five decades, right? What we've been teaching here. But basically, she points out that there's two kind of mindsets in the world. There's a fixed mindset and there's a growth mindset. And a fixed mindset says, I am who I am. I can't change it. Uh, my IQ is flat. My personality is, you know, it just is what it is. And so my goal is to search out things that come easy to me uh, where I can look good because I'll be successful. And if it gets too hard, I'll leave and I'll go find something else that comes easy. And I don't like to be challenged because challenge means I might fail and I can't ever fail because then I have to go find something else. That's a fixed. A growth mindset is, man, I love to learn. <laughs> every aspect of my life can be improved. And you know what? That's my goal is to get a little better every day. Better relationships, better at business, better at discipline, better at the hard stuff, better at the easy stuff. It doesn't matter. And you know what? Because of that, I never really fail. I just learn. I just learn what doesn't work. I just learn what not to do. And I go focus on the right stuff. And so that is one of the things the world creates, the lie that the world tells us mm -hmm. is, hey, you know what? Uh, get takeout. It's easy and go home and just settle in and don't worry about it. Don't think big thoughts and we'll take care of your basic comforts, right? The whole time the dream's being killed. Hey, you know, that's for other people to go do. You, you just stay there and then your own self-talk reinforces that. So wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> is the purpose in life to be a consumer and just taking away or is the purpose in life to make a difference in the lives of other people? Uh, you I like the second one. Yeah, I absolutely. And I just I want to bring out something that you just uh, you know point out that yeah, we are so often encouraged. The expectation is to do something reasonable. And I, for, I have so many people who I've known throughout my life who had parents who supported and encouraged them in things like sports, in the arts and dance and music and all these things. Uh, and they invested so much and, ha you know, got their heart set on this. And then comes the end of high school and the parents say, okay, now it's time to be reasonable. Let's go get you a good job. Uh, let's do something that's going to provide. And they're left dumbfounded. Like, seriously, I've, you, you, you brought me up in this. My sights are set on something big that I'm passionate about. And now I'm just supposed to be reasonable. And that's a, uh, I get it. I'm a parent just like you are, Tom. And, and I get the concept. Uh, but my goodness, it's a, it's a hard road when you have those closest to you who you think are the most reasonable people to comment on your life who minimize the expectations on you instead of raise them. And I, again, I couldn't be more grateful, just like you, Tom, that you receive the opposite from your parenting. And uh, well, it's why you're sitting there as you are today, influencing people doing what you love. Uh, Timothy Driver here, this is a good one. He says, I started my financial coaching practice last October and my five-year goal is to have this replace my income from my full-time job so I can spend time traveling with my wife and kids. Another goal is to start blogging and get 100,000 followers of my blog. Uh, but what I would like to blog about isn't what my business is. So I'm trying to figure out how to make this all happen. 
I don't know a better response than what you just, what we've been hitting on and what you gave again is go find somebody who is doing it. Go find somebody who's doing financial coaching. Of course, we, uh, you know, are close friends with Dave Ramsey and his organization. They've got some of the best training on financial coaching, though for any coaching, I would of course biasly direct them to the choose to win coaching, which you can find at ZieglerShow.com slash uh, CTW, choose to win. ZieglerShow.com, CTW. Let Tom tell you how to build a successful coaching practice. But to his blogging about something else and getting followers, man, again, to what you said a minute ago, Tom, go find someone who is doing it. And I doubt there's anything you can blog about, uh, any subject that somebody else is not really successfully blogging about. Go out there. And yeah, I can't say enough about and it's not copying, but modeling, model what they're doing. You're going to have your own flavor. Don't plagiarize your own flavor, your own. Well, we, we, we would, we would, uh, even in, in the choose to win coaching, one of the primary teachings you're doing is there is, you know, have your unique positioning, what you are uniquely qualified, have your unique flavor on something, but none of us are doing anything as Solomon said a long time ago, there's nothing new under the sun, but we have our own voice. We have it according to these times. We have our own flavor of it. Uh, there's so much opportunity and we don't need to reinvent the wheel either. Right, Tom? That's right. I'll never forget a story uh, that your dad told. Uh, he was consulting with the guy um, and Dan Miller is a coach and he helps business owners and people find their passion or dream. And he wrote the book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. And I remember listening to podcasts and this guy had written in and said, hey, uh, I'm a gunsmith and business is really slow. And there's, you know, geographically, there's just I'm really struggling. How do I grow my business? And so he was thinking completely in the box. Yeah. And your, and your dad basically turned it around and said, well, uh, why can't you do business around the country? And he said, well, nobody really knows me. And he said, well, let me ask you this. As a gunsmith, do you repair all kinds of guns or do you prefer pistols or rifles or is it even one type of gun that's your favorite? And so the guy lit up, right? He said, oh, I love this certain type of rifle. I love restoring them and it's a collector's thing. And so your dad, Kevin, he just said, hey, why don't you write a blog every week just about any project you're working on with that specific uh, rifle, the, the the techniques that you use and everything else. A year later, he had more business than he could handle because every collector of that type of uh, gun was sending him <laughs> the work to fix their gun. He'd done a blog a week. He had 52 blogs. It ended up becoming a book, which he published. And so what's what's the point? The point is when you have a passion for something, you may not know where it's going to go, but you start and then it starts gaining that momentum. Uh, the, the difference between a, uh, a vlog or a blog and, you know, in, in one area versus uh, something else in two different separate areas, you know what? You just got to go get the best in the business in each one of those and see how they did it mm-hmm. and figure it out. I, I, you know, it, they could be a perfect match for each other. You, there might be some overlap you don't even know right now. That's exactly where I was going to go. Um, Tim, Timothy, the fact that you started, uh, that you have an interest in and and have started a financial, financial coaching practice. You didn't tell us what your other topic is. I can't believe that there's not an overlap, that there's not a tie in and, uh, that, that could be utilized, should be 
utilize because we, we generally don't succeed at doing very dissimilar things. When you, who was it? Uh, uh, Alan, what's his first name? Who wrote multiple streams of income? Uh, shoot. I'm blank. I'm blank, but it, Robert Allen or what, Bob Allen? Was it Robert? Maybe so. Uh, who wrote that? And he'll talk about that, that we should have multiple streams of income, but they shouldn't be massively dissimilar. They should have some overlap. But hey, since you mentioned my dear old father, can I hold this up? This is the brand, is. brand new uh, 20, 20th anniversary, 48 days to the work. And now it's and life. You love find it or create it. I'm going to be having him on the show to talk about this because this has been a 20 year bestseller, but he's revised it uh, to be to, to relate to more to current times, current events, and also uh, to have the work you love is a part of your life. And so he really addresses that more. We'll have him on the show. Okay, folks. Well, the truth is there are just a bunch more uh, submissions here on people talking about their goals, asking questions about their goals that I think it is relevant for us to do a part two. So we're going to come back to this. This is show 810. I'm probably going to do it in show 812. And Tom and I will address more of these big goals, people setting out what they really have, dreams, passions, burdens to do, uh, and wondering how to do them and uh, how to how to flesh out this journey of things that really inspire us and that we want to go after. Well, friends, this show, I really hope, has you feeling comforted about your own feelings toward your big dreams and desires and hopefully convicted to believe in them more. Uh, That's the hope. And uh, again, we're going to continue with more in episode 812. But coming up in episode 811, I'm bringing you a doctor, a board-certified internal medicine physician. She's a work-life integration researcher, a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, an international wellness expert. She's been on Dr. Oz and with guests, all the big names that you, you would think of. Her focus, getting you rested and recovered physically and mentally so that you can actually have top performance and output. This show will make you want to rest and rest in all the right ways. It's Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's my guest. And friends, uh, after hearing her message and recording the show, I just took a weekend following her counsel in the area that I need rest in. And she breaks it into seven different areas. This is far more than sleep. Uh, So, and I wanted to get myself back on track for better performance. I think you will too, after hearing what she has to say. you're going to really appreciate the show till then. Thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.